Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, I didn't take any phone calls last hour because I really wanted to lay out uh, the who, what, when, where, why, and how of Ukraine. So I want to spend some time on phone calls now. Uh, with those of you who have some questions about it, I do want to say I was very, I, I, I was hoping to uh, talk to a caller who hung up. And it, what he wanted to say was that uh, Vladimir Putin is not a criminal and we have no business doing anything given our country's history. And I would just want to note real quick notice international answer is not protesting. Notice how all the left-wing groups who always protest whenever a Republican presidents are strong and tough, they're not out there with Joe Biden in the White House. Is that not interesting? But also this idea that uh, because of our moral failures in the past, we can't stand up uh, for our values or for others. Uh, it sounds good, I know, to some people. Those people tend not to be the brightest people. Uh, because it's it's a statement that suggests we can't move on from our worst sins, that we cannot be forgiven, and we can't call out evil in the world. We're not a perfect nation. We have plenty of flaws. Uh, but to say we can't take on someone invading another country who routinely assassinates anyone who speaks up for freedom, uh, that puts you in a terrible place geopolitically. And I guess people like that would, would be perfectly fine with what China is doing. Um I would have really liked to, to get the guy's sense of things, uh, but it's it's a conversation some people believe in, and y'all know the type. I'm kind of disappointed he hung up. Nonetheless, I do want to move on to, to callers who aren't crazy, but actually have real questions and real points. Let's start with Jennifer. Welcome to the program, Jennifer. Hi, Eric. It's my second time calling in, so I'm really excited to be on the program. Thanks for being here. So I, well, first of all, I have a question, but I also had a thought that I did not um, ask your call reader about. Is it a possibility that I could share that even if they didn't hear about it first? Go, go ahead. I, I'll allow it. Charlie might hang up on us, but I'll allow it. <laughs> okay. Well, my question is, if, uh, if a very similar situation that is happening with Russia and Ukraine is also going on with uh China's threat to take over um, Taiwan, and they are also one of our allies. Why do you think it is that Biden is exercising so much energy in defending the Ukraine and not Taiwan? Do you think he is brown-nosing them for, like, so whatever ties he might have had with Hunter and all that so, situation? You know, I actually think he's trying to stand firm on Ukraine to signal to China that uh, we would stand firm uh, with Taiwan. Uh, I don't actually think that we would, by the way, but I think he's trying to signal to China that, that see, we're standing strong for Ukraine. If you try to invade Taiwan, we're going to do the same thing. We don't have any sort of intelligence that the Chinese are about to invade Taiwan. Uh, I think if we had that intelligence, you would see very much the same thing. And I, I think very much like Russia, China would ultimately call our bluff uh, and know there's not a ton that we actually would actually do to defend Taiwan. Because uh, who here listening wants to send their kid to die on Taiwan fighting the Chinese? Nobody. Um, so what do we do? Uh, Ukraine really and Western powers need to understand this. To your point, it really is a test run. 
uh, for what do we do about the Taiwan situation? If we get it right, it probably throws a lifeline to Taiwan. If we get it wrong, it probably moves up the invasion date. Right. That makes sense. My thoughts of all of that that I was going to share also is I 100% agree with you about, um, you know, us, we have to stand up against Russia and against the, the communist, uh, you know, regime. Uh, people are saying things like we shouldn't be the world police. And I don't agree with that. If we have allies, we need to stand up with. Um, and that's something that my husband and I don't really see a whole lot of eye to eye with. But on the other hand, I just don't think that Biden is the man to do it. Right. I think uh, that I Russia mean. really sees his weaknesses. I do, thought, too. But. Yep, I, I, I do. Thank you very much for that. And, and you know, uh, to this idea, I don't like the idea of being the world's policeman. And I don't think that there are places we need to go in the world. Uh, there are uh, violence and, and fighting between countries all over uh, South America, Central America, Asia, Africa. We don't need to be the world's policemen per se. A lot of people say that derisively. Here's the problem, though. Uh, when our allies are threatened and we are in an alliance with those allies and we choose to do nothing, it weakens the alliance and means our word is not very good. And if our word is not very good, at some point, those countries realize the United States really doesn't have our back. I guess we need to go align with this other country. And now let's play that out long term. So all of these countries who are allied with us and share our values or at least uh, keep their own values in check out of respect for us, now ditch us and ally with China. What do you think happens to us economically? Do we continue to get the great rates out of China? No, our costs go up. Do we continue to have a free pass around the world? Nope. We, we have to start paying the toll to get through the Panama Canal. It costs us economically. It costs us with, uh, with security as well. I mean, listen, right now the United States can put a satellite in orbit and nobody says anything. You let China be the world hegemon and suddenly we're going to have to be asking China for permission to place one in space when China itself might want to place one in space. It costs us across the board for us not to keep our word to other nations. Uh, it realigns the world against us. Again, to quote Gene Kirkpatrick, uh, nobody wants to be the world's policeman, but if the entire world is run by criminals, you're either going to be the policeman or you're going to be the victim of the criminals. So you pick. Now, back to the phones. Luke, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Uh, Eric, I appreciate your gifts that you share with us every day. I'm a continuously humbled, blessed, and thankful man. Thanks for having me on here. I did look up Eric Erickson, and it is synonymous, synonymous with uh, uh, taking the hysteria out of truth. So I thank you for that. Um, just out of curiosity, though, out of this Ukraine-Putin deal, is this any chance of Putin trying to, like, virtue signal towards a Gaza Strip-type mentality? You know, even Brian Kemp earlier today is, like, endorsing Israel. So is there any type of, like, we're trying to relate to humanity so that everybody appreciates, you know, the Putin that relates to everyone else, or is this, you know, just him taking over? I uh, look, I, I think it's him taking over. See, th this is one of the things I, I think we got to understand between uh, Western leaders and Putin is Western leaders like to virtue signal. Western leaders like to hoist the rainbow flag during Pride Month in the Middle East, and oh, so brave and daring. What did it actually do to advance gay rights in the Middle East? That thing. 
Vladimir Putin is not interested in virtue signaling. Vladimir Putin is interested in taking back what he thinks is his, which is the Russian sphere of influence, all of which has moved to the West, except for Belarus, which is north of Ukraine, because Belarus uh, has a dictator installed by Vladimir Putin, who is a lackey of Vladimir Putin's. But, I mean, let, let me just trace for you here the Iron Curtain. Now, for those of you who don't know your history, the Iron Curtain was a phrase that Winston Churchill came up with in a speech in Missouri. Winston Churchill came on a grand tour of the United States after World War II and began to lament an Iron Curtain descending across Eastern Europe, an impenetrable boundary through which trade and commerce could not happen as the communists took over. And originally, you had Russia and you had distinct states, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Belarus, Ukraine, and, and others. But then when the Soviet Union came in, you had Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Belarus, Ukraine. They were all part of the Soviet Union and Moldova, I believe. And then you had the Eastern European countries that bordered the Soviet Union. And those countries and some that bordered them were the basis of the Iron Curtain. These Eastern European countries were in the Soviet Russian sphere of influence. So uh, you had Poland and Czechoslovakia, now the Czech Republic and Slovakia, Hungary, Yugoslavia, which was Slovenia, Croatia, Bosnia-Herzegovina, Serbia, Montenegro. You had Bulgaria. You had Albania. All of them were in the Russian sphere of influence. And they were not Russian countries per se, but they were communist-controlled countries whose regimes were handpicked by the Soviets, and they allowed the KGB to station there the Warsaw Pact countries. With the fall of the Berlin Wall, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania got their independence back. They were some of the first three countries the Soviets invaded. They had been independent countries until the Soviet Union grabbed them in World War II. Belarus and Ukraine became independent. Moldova uh, split off and became independent. Romania, Bulgaria, uh, all independent countries. And then Yugoslavia began during the Clinton administration to collapse and divide. Yugoslavia had been a federation of nation states that were forced by the dictator Tito into a uh, common communist regime. And those countries began to agitate for their independent sovereignty once again with the fall of the Soviet Union to restore it to historic norms. Uh, Slovenia broke off, Croatia broke off, Bosnia-Herzegovina broke off, Montenegro broke off, and you're left with Serbia, which was the heart of Yugoslavia. Czechoslovakia itself, once it became independent and threw off the communists, decided that it wanted to go its separate ways because the Soviets had largely forced those two countries together into Czechoslovakia. So you had the Czech Republic and Slovakia. Slovakia, by the way, uh, Slovenia and Slovakia are two of the prettiest countries you'll ever go to. Honestly, Slovenia, which was the northern part of Yugoslavia, it's right there, borders uh Italy near Venice. It is undoubtedly the most beautiful country on planet Earth. It's just stunningly gorgeous from the sea to the mountains. It's just incredible. Uh, beautiful, beautiful countries and beautiful people, none of whom liked the Soviets, but they were forced 
by the communists. Against their will, many of them tried to flee. In fact, in Yugoslavia and Slovenia, that is one of the heaviest borders in uh, the the Eastern Bloc nations of the of the of the Soviet of the Soviet sphere of influence, the Warsaw Pact, because so many Croatians and Slovenians would immigrate across the border into Italy. You got to remember historically there along Italy and Austria, Slovenia, which had been Yugoslavia. A lot of those those small areas were so integrated, people kin to each other. And so even with the Soviet Union and the Warsaw Pact nations, you would have a lot of travel between Yugoslavia and parts of Italy and Austria because they're all kin to each other. People go see their families. But it began, they started cracking down pretty extensively uh, because so many people were fleeing, they would go and not come back. And so they began a policy where parts of families could travel, but you would have to leave behind mom or dad. Mom and dad could not go together. And you knew if you didn't come home, whoever stayed behind was getting killed. And oftentimes, that person sacrificed themselves. I know of a family where the father had a terminal illness, and they largely kept it quiet. And he stayed behind for the rest of the family to be able to go across into Austria to see relatives and they went to Graz and Austria and they never came home. The dad was going to die anyway, so he was fine. I mean, that was the sort of life people led. And we are so far now removed from that sort of stuff from the early 1990s. We kind of forget that history and how real that history was. And, you know, and I listed all the countries, Poland and Czechoslovakia and all that. I forgot Eastern Germany doesn't exist anymore. East Germany ceased existing in October of 1990. And they, they've merged those countries ever since. I went over uh, several years ago now to Eastern uh, Germany. Uh, it was now Eastern Germany, not East Germany. And just seeing the massive development there. And you also have a lot of the old Soviet architecture, just appalling stuff. And to hear the stories of the people who live there and how much it's changed over time, uh, it really is amazing. And then there's poor Poland that's been bullied by all sides, the Prussians, the Russians, the Germans. And uh, we move more and more of our uh, military there. In fact, one of the things that's going to happen is you're probably going to see a resurgence of American military might in Eastern Europe. Uh, for years, going back uh, really even to the Bush administration and, and the Clinton administration, we started downsizing the American military footprint in Europe after the fall of the Soviet Union. There's no, what's the point? Russia's not a threat. Well, now that Russia is becoming a threat again, I suspect you're not going to see your kids go to Ukraine, but you are going to see your kid get stationed in Poland, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, probably Slovakia. Maybe Hungary. We're going to see a resurgence of the American military presence in Eastern European nations to ward off the Soviets. One of the reasons the Russians decided to do what they're doing and to do it now is, one, Ukraine has been flirting with joining NATO and the European Union, but also the European Union and the United States has been building up the Ukrainian military to now it's the seventh largest in Europe. And the Russians decided they needed to act now before it got even bigger. These sorts of things have consequences. And you can say, well, we should never have done that. We should have left them alone. The problem is you leave them alone, you start having the domino cascading effect of uh, Russia reincorporating other areas of Eastern Europe who are our allies and NATO members back into the Russian sphere of influence. And then we really do go to war. 
Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you would like to be a part of this here program. You know, as the world goes to hell in a handbasket and we we enter this post-Cold World norm, I I just, I, I had to laugh that, you know, the biggest story in the American media in the last 48 hours, I, I have actually stopped watching a lot of the news broadcasts out there. You know the biggest story out there? The Queen of England has COVID. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not making that up, y'all. It, it is, it's a story. It's, it's a big deal story today that the Queen of England has COVID. And I am, uh, I'm, I'm very sorry to hear that she has COVID. She's apparently doing well, but I just don't know that it's as monumentally big a story as we thought. I'm just, I, I just, I don't think that it is. In any event, uh, I wish her well. You know, this is her, what, uh, platinum jubilee. She's been on the throne for 70 years. Notice they move it up to 70 instead of 75. <laughs> but she's 95 years old, my goodness. Um, and she's far sharper than the president of the United States, uh, mentally and, and the like. Now, when we come back, we do have other stuff besides Ukraine going on out there. In fact, I'm behind on so much of that stuff. Uh, one of these big issues is Canada. I haven't talked a lot about Canada today. I want to talk about Canada. And I have to say, I got to admit, I'm kind of disappointed in some friends of mine. Um, I'm... I don't, I don't mean to, well, I don't, it's not going to come across well, but I'm just, I, I've seen some conservative commentators and I don't want to call them out and point out their ridiculousness, but I've seen real prominent conservative commentators say, I just, I don't know that I can continue black backing the blue. Look at what the police are doing in Ottawa. It's so shameful. Y'all Canada is not the United States of America. The Canadian police are not American police. If you can't back the blue because of what they're doing in a foreign country, you may need to recalibrate yourself because while the police do have some issues, the American police, they're not the Canadian police. And we have completely, I think, lost some perspective here on what's happening in Canada versus what's happening here. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on this here program, very happy to have you. Oh, Canada. Let's talk about Canada. You know, um, we, we sometimes forget, I guess, they're so close and that they look and sound just like us. Their, their national anthem, O Canada, our home and native land, true patriot love in all of us command. With glowing hearts, we see thee rise, the true north, strong and free. From far and wide, O Canada, we stand on guard for thee. God, keep our land glorious and free. O Canada, we stand on guard for thee. They used to have the anthem, God Save the Queen. And in fact, they had a flag that had the British Union Jack in it. Why? Because 
They were a colony. And it was actually uh, one of George III's sons, Prince Edward, who helped unite the fractious Canadian colonies into a federation. And that federation is subject to the crown of Canada. Yes, Canada has a queen. We think of Justin Trudeau as, as the president of Canada, but he's not. Canada has a queen. The queen is someone you're familiar with, uh, Queen Elizabeth II. She is the queen of a host of countries, not just the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Uh, she has a whole lot of territories about which uh, she is queen. She is the queen of Jamaica, queen of Australia, queen of the Channel Islands, queen of the Isle of Man. Uh, she's the Duke of Normandy, the Lord of Man, the Duke of Lancaster, the queen of Canada, the queen of, uh, well, on and on it goes. Um, where else? All sorts of them. And although in Canada, she has a governor general who wields her power and her powers are frankly very limited. More than some people ascribe and uh, less than many people would like to believe. Now, I, now I'm curious. Where is she the queen now? In any event, I'm distracted by that. I shouldn't be because, yeah, so these are the, the um, let's see. We have, of all of the, the different countries, uh, Elizabeth II is the head of Antigua and Barbuda, the head of uh, the Queen of Australia, the Queen of the Bahamas, the Queen of Barbados, the Queen of Belize, the Queen of Canada, the Queen of um, let's see the the Queen of Grenada, the Queen of Jamaica, the Queen of New Zealand, the Queen of of um, portion of Papua New Guinea. Uh, she is the Queen of New Zealand the Queen of St. Kitts and Nevis, the Queen of St. Lucia, the Queen of St. Vincent and the Grenadines, the Queen of the Solomon Islands, the Queen of Tovalu, and of course, the Queen of the United Kingdom, Great Britain and Northern Ireland. There, I've answered it for myself. Now, back to Canada. The Prime Minister there is the head of a parliament. In the Westminster system, which is what we call these parliaments where you have the Queen at the top and then the Prime Ministers, uh, the government has no check on its power. It is majoritarian. That is, there are no rights of the minorities unless laws are passed giving the minorities rights. In Canada, there are some laws that have been passed, including a Charter of Human Rights, that give the minority some rights, but not as extensively as those rights in the United States. In the United States, rights are interpreted through a, an accident of history, essentially, at the Supreme Court level. Rights in the United States are uh, interpreted broadly. Rights in the territories presided over by the Queen of England are not interpreted broadly, but narrowly. It is a completely separate system. It is a completely separate system of government. It is a completely separate system of laws. It is a completely separate system of rights and liberties and freedoms. It is a completely separate system. And so when we look at Canada, oftentimes we think of Canada as our 51st state. Canada is not our 51st state. Canada is our hat. 
And right now, our hat is up our backside, or at least Canada has its head up its backside with Justin Trudeau. Justin Trudeau is the prime minister of a parliamentary majority that consists of a coalition of, I think, four major parties. As long as Justin Trudeau can maintain that coalition, he can maintain his prime ministership. And just the other day, uh, Canada's parliament narrowly voted to authorize his use of emergency powers, and he's not handing them back. Now, we can be appalled by all of this, and we should be. His treatment of the truckers, and not just the truckers, but those who gave money to the truckers, is appalling. In fact, uh, just two weeks ago, it was perfectly legal to give money to the truckers. And then once the um, Emergency Powers Act was passed and it was no longer legal, they retroactively decided to punish some of those businesses that had given money to or otherwise supported the truckers and individuals. That is, under the Canadian Charter of Rights, probably impermissible, and those people could probably sue the government. I say probably, though, because I'm not a Canadian lawyer. What I find discombobulating is to see a country like Canada that upholds supposed Western values and has even gone after other countries for not supporting uh, Western values to do what it's doing now, all because a group of people didn't want the vaccine for a virus where the vaccine doesn't stop you from getting the virus and every other Western country is now moving on. Justin Trudeau can't move on because Justin Trudeau is a, a temperamental toddler who has to get his way and does not like challenges to his authority. The reason Trudeau doesn't like challenges to his authority is because his father, uh, Pierre Trudeau, was the very famous prime minister of Canada. And Justin Trudeau lives in his father's shadow at all times. And if you question his power, well, you're questioning him. And by God, he's a Trudeau and he's not his daddy. He's his own man and he's going to show you. He's got all sorts of issues. Nonetheless, Canada is not the United States. A number of people have reached out to me and they've said, could something like that happen here? What are your thoughts on that? Let me give you my candid thoughts. Yes. What's happening in Canada could happen in the United States. But it is more likely to happen at the individual state level than nationally. Again, Canada isn't us. Its laws are ours. Its police operate under different terms. It doesn't have, they don't have Miranda rights. They don't have a First Amendment right. I saw a, a someone pointed me to a court transcript in Canada the other day where a judge was asking someone about uh, why they thought they could behave in such a way. The man said he thought it was his First Amendment rights. And the judge had literally no idea what the man was talking about and pointed out the United States has a First Amendment. Are you an American citizen? And the guy says no. And the judge says, you don't have the American First Amendment in Canada. They don't. Our Bill of Rights matters. And that's why, while I think it could happen here, if you had a judiciary completely controlled by Democrats and government completely controlled by Democrats, yes, it could happen here. But even then, at the national level, it's far less likely. It's far more difficult to do these things at a national level than it is to do them in Canada, where you have a, a federation with a very powerful prime minister. For example, the health care power in the United States is in the hands of the states, not the federal government. The police power is in the hands of the federal government, or rather in the hands of the states, not the federal government. If the federal government wants to enforce federal laws at the state level, the federal government has to enlist local police officers to help them do so, and those police officers can decline to do it. 
We've seen this repeatedly over the past uh, number of decades where the federal government has attempted to pass laws that say local police will enforce the laws, and even liberals on the Supreme Court have said, I'm sorry, you can't do this. Those police are run by the states, and the states are sovereign entities. You, the federal government, cannot co-opt state police to exercise your powers. You yourself have to enforce it. And by the way, you're not allowed a police department. That's why we call the FBI the Federal Bureau of Investigation. It doesn't function as a standard police department. It functions as an investigatory arm of the, of the federal government, and they can arrest and you can be prosecuted, but it's not like a standing police department. You don't have the FBI out there running speed traps. These sorts of things have to matter because we sometimes uh, we watch the, the coverage on television, we read the newspaper, we look at the Canadians, and we're like, well, I mean, they're us. We all have Canadian friends. Well, not all of us, but many of us have Canadian friends. Uh, you just cross the border. You, we honeymoon, for example. My wife and I did in Banff in, the, um, in, in Alberta, the Canadian Rockies. Gorgeous, gorgeous area. I've been to Niagara Falls on the Canadian side. It's a little more difficult now. You used to be able to show your driver's license. It's a little more complicated now. But we just think Canada is just there. They're just like us. They speak our language. They kind of sound like us. Uh, maybe they got a, a, a Minnesotan accent. They all say eh at the end of their sentence. Some of them speak French, but so do people in Louisiana. But they are a completely separate country with completely separate laws and a completely different form of government. In order to have what happened in Canada happen here, I mean, even look at the state level with California. Even California had to battle conservatives in courts all the way to the Supreme Court and lost a number of cases with a conservative Supreme Court. You would have to get rid of the the six-member majority of the Supreme Court, conservative majority of the Supreme Court. You would have to stockpile left-wing judges across the country at the district court and the appellate court level in addition to the Supreme Court. And you would have to have uh, the United States Senate have a filibuster-proved majority of the Democrats. I mean, all of these things would have to align for you to be able to get to that point here in this country that's happened in Canada, which means it's possible for it to happen, but it's not very probable that it's going to happen. That's why I I think I've got a number of friends who are really worried about this. And there's reason to be alarmed, particularly when you see the left in this country, even on the Supreme Court, being so willing to allow the federal government to impose mandates on companies. Look at the the, uh, mandate situation. The five-member majority on the Supreme Court threw out the vaccine mandate on private businesses. But... There were four members of the court that were willing to allow it to go forward. You just needed one more. John Roberts sided with the left on that. So you got to be somewhat cautious here, but also there's no reason to live in fear because we're not there yet. And we're a long way from getting to a point uh, where we could reflect what's happening in Canada. And then you've got 50 states and it really matters which states you live in and what the governments of those states are. So it's just harder to have that happen here. So I understand the concern. I think the concern is legitimate. Uh, What I do find frustrating is I've got a a set of friends in the conservative movement who are like, I can't believe the police would do this. How can we back the blue? And again, they're not ours. They're not under our laws. They don't have a bill of rights. They're not American citizens. We, I, I, I think some people sometimes forget that Canada is not us. We are not them. They are not citizens of our country, nor are we of their country. 
And you just have to remember, yes, you can be upset about it. You can be exercised by it. You can think that the American government should speak up on behalf of the truckers. You can do all of that. But at the same time, just also remember, that's a monarchy up there. We're of the American Republic. They are part of the monarchy of Queen Elizabeth II. And that makes for a completely different series of laws, rights, and and litigation patterns up there. Now, I got to remind you about Eden Pure, the thunderstorm air purifier. You should go get one. And if you get one right now, I think they're still doing the BOGO. Let's see. I'm going to go check for sure. EdenPureDeals.com is the website you go to. And you see up top, you see uh, welcome lister, enter your host code. And you put in Eric BOGO, E-R-I-C-K-B-O-G-O. And you click the submit button. And look at that. You get the Eden Pure thunderstorm air purifier buy one get one free what you do is you add them to your cart you'll see two of them automatically pre-selected you add it to your cart you go to your cart and then you see an orange checkout button and you click the checkout button and you go to checkout and then when you do that you put in eric bogo e-r-i-c-k-b-o-g-o and boom you get two of them, and one of them is free. Eric Bogo, buy one, get one free. And the Eden Pure Thunderstorm, it cleans the air in your house. It eliminates odors. And by the way, if you see the picture of it, you hold this thing in your hand. It's slightly bigger than your hand. You plug it straight into the wall. You can move it room to room. You can travel with it. I travel with mine because you get a rental car that stinks or a hotel room that's musty. The Eden Pure takes care of it. It's great to travel with. You go to EdenPureDeals.com. Your discount code is Eric Bogo, E-R-I-C-K-B-O-G-O. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. They're in Noonan, Georgia, but don't let that discourage you. If you're in Portland, Maine, or San Diego, California, anywhere nationwide, they can help your business grow. They do big deals. If you want a big deal, reach out to them for your business. Uh, $750,000 deals and higher. If you need to buy a building, build a building, reach out to them. The website is firstlibertyga.com. Uh, you can get all their contact info there. Spend 10 minutes with them. Just make sure that it, um, it you're a good fit for them and they are for you. FirstLibertyGA.com. Uh, what's this? Uh, Philip is sending me. We just got an email in. Your assistant was disrespectful to me. He hung up on me. Not very nice. Subject is Russia and Ukraine. Your assistant was disrespectful to me and hung up on me. Not very nice. I, I, I my apologies. My apologies. I have to admit, like the the like the the police out there in small town America, we have a quota. We require that the call screener be very nasty to occasional people. We have a quota every month. If he is not nasty to a sufficient enough number of people, then we have to dock his pay. And, well, he was getting close. He hadn't been nasty enough to enough people here. So we were on the verge of docking his pay. I already had the email written to the bookkeeper to dock his pay. So he had to take it out on you. Now, you're wondering, why would you have an incentive and quota system for our uh, call screener to be nasty? It's very simple. If we do not allow him to get it out of his system on you, he takes it out on the rest of us. So we have to allow him to be abusive to the callers on occasion, or he's very abusive to us. And unfortunately, my wife really likes the guy, so I can't fire him as much as I want. I've tried to fire him, and I'm not allowed to. So this this is our compromise system. We let him be nasty to y'all, so he's not nasty to us. 
and it has made our lives just such a, a more peaceful existence. I mean, my gosh, that guy, he, he really is something. All right. Also, you know, I mean, back talking women. Self in trouble. I'm sorry. I kid. I got to move on to other stuff. When we come back, I will take your phone calls. If you can get past the call screener, 877 973 7425. But also, we got to move on because we've spent so much time dealing with Ukraine and Canada. What about the United States of America? We've got something happening here. Emerson polling. I don't think they're a good pollster, but they're following the trend lines. They're at R plus nine, meaning a Republican wave is building in the country. And and the Ukraine stuff is going to help the Republicans. It is. Uh, The the polling, there there is no good news. There is no good news for the Democrats in the polling out there. There really isn't. And this has allowed the Republicans to do something that is internally dividing the Republicans. They're running on we're not Joe Biden. They have no message. They have no agenda. And this is a big divide between the House and Senate Republicans. The Senate Republicans want no agenda. The House Republicans want an agenda. And and all of us are thinking, just just say you're not Joe Biden and the public's going to love you. We'll discuss. I'll take your phone calls if you can get past the call screen or 877-973-7425. And also, did you know that white supremacy is to blame for what happened in San Francisco on the school board? It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building? You want to build a building? Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.